real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is February 10th, 2020. And come on, guys, was this weekend long or what, right? I was, I was kind of like thinking, wow, time is not going by. And I was actually having fun, okay? Time was not going by, and I was having fun. Uh, yesterday, for example, I looked at my watch maybe two, three times, and it was still 7 p.m., and I'm like, okay, I was having fun per se, uh, you know, <laughs> doing things that you would think time would be flying, but it wasn't. So today we have so much to talk about because the party's just getting started. I mean, it is none but the best. And I just finished writing up an article, which I'm going to kind of um, pass through to see, um, you know, because I usually do the whole uh, speech to text thing. I wrote up an article about um, Secretary Pompeo's address to the uh, North Dakota, whoa, did I just, whoop, I will, to the Governor's Association, to the National Governor's Association. The reason I said it, I did, I have three editions coming out. One is a North Dakota editions, one's California, and one's uh, New York. Now, these are really important because uh, it is just incredible what he did. He called them to the carpet, and boom, today we're talking about China again. So we have tons to talk about tons it's it's going to be lit today today you're going to get some insight that's incredible so you know because we have to talk about this white house senior member that's getting kicked out the nsc it wasn't just vinman and you know his twin tweedledum and tweedledee it wasn't just them two that left they purged the NSC, and that i'm hoping included nathan kroger and i'm hoping from the secretary of state um, that we got rid of Mark Straw, you know, Ben Rhodes's sidekick, because these people have been uh, kind of hanging over. And we kept them there only because they can lead us back. It's like ants. If you want to find, you know, their nest, you got to follow the ants to where they're taking the water, the sugar, whatever they're taking back to. So today is going to be incredible. I'm going to give you a breakdown insight of just how corrupt this is. But I have been sitting on a photograph. I've been sitting on a photograph for almost two years now. Well, yeah, well, in a couple months, it'll be two years where the governor of North Dakota was not at one of those uh, sponsored, you know, uh, of, from the National Government uh, Governors Association meetings about China and stuff. But he was literally at a China General Chamber of Commerce meeting. Okay, so we're going to break this out. You're going to see swamp like totally out there. And this is just one state. This is happening in almost every single state. Kentucky's got it with their AG because the AGs have their own thing where they do you know that the Republican, um, the GOP type uh, attorneys generals have these meetings where people pay like a quarter million dollars and they get to rub elbows with them at some stupid retreat and they get favors done, business done. <laughs> Want to know if there were Chinese there? <laughs> Come on, let's all take a guess. So we've got so much to talk about today because so much is happening. And I don't know if you guys felt it, but I, like I said on Friday, February just put concrete boots on. 
the days aren't going to be moving as fast because we are being fought on every single front. They're going to come up with something new. They're going to try to get President Trump on something new, you know, and that's the way it's going to be again and again and again until they're done. So the first thing I wanted to say is now that we have purged the NSC, we've already found out who is still in the White House that penned that op-ed. And they'll be removed soon. And soon could be right after 2020. Like I said, I mean, you don't want to do it now in the middle of the race, right? But (laughs) they're going to be gone. Finally. Because this is how you get things done. See, all of these clowns on the Democrat, but you know, the Democrat Party right now is a dumpster fire. And anything that comes in its proximity either gets burnt to toast and ashes or gets severely singed. And a lot of people had put their money on this impeachment hoax. They were sure they were going to, they got the media, they got the, now they've got Democrats moving over to President Trump because it's, Horrible. I mean, they're going to call you, what was it, pony face? It was just, they're just, uh, they're gone. I mean, they, Iowa caucus, come on, man. Come on. Uh, really? We all knew that Buttplug paid for that app. I told you that. But, you know, we have to wait until the real supposedly media reports. When are we going to get it? We're the news now. You and I are the news. Nobody else is. We're the news. Nobody tells us the news. We make it because no one's going to talk about the things we want to. It's kind of like, the, um, you know, the, the, the car that ran into, you know, the campaign stall for President Trump, you know, where they're handing out stickers and flyers and registering voters. It was run over by someone. Could you imagine if that literally happened to the Democrats? If someone ran over, you know, Senator Warren's little booth or Bernie Sanders? Oh, my gosh. It would be wall to wall coverage. They would be having, you know, they'd be drawing in and, you know, what is it called? Um, deep faking uh, pitchforks and fires. And it would be horrific, right, guys? But not a peep from the media. Not a peep. Not a peep. Because they are not the news. We are the news. We are telling the news. You are telling the news. You are reporting it. You are talking about it. You are driving the conversation, not them. I mean, no matter how hard they try to silence us, it's really hard when you've got the whole United States on top of it. Now, we do have, uh, you know, Lindsey Graham still there. Yep, 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 yep. And, you know, I was one of the first, I would say, conservatives to come out and say, I don't trust him. His sword is fake. You know, when he came out at Kavanaugh with that shining sword. Oh, my gosh. And everyone's like, you go. It's like, no, man. Here he is trying to cover up his antics saying oh you know the whole ukraine thing was russian propaganda uh what no it wasn't that's not the way it goes totally not the way it goes but hey whatever you know they want to push 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 but we push back and this is where they lose now uh just a few moments ago president trump actually was live i'm gonna play that right now if it'll let me where he spoke to governors at a business summit. Uh, Let's just listen to what he had to say before we get into what um, Secretary Pompeo did. Take a listen. But to get them really done, we have to do exactly what 
we're doing. We're, we, have, we need the votes of the Democrats, and they just didn't have the time to do anything, so uh, maybe they will now have the time. But we're all ready to go on infrastructure, on reducing drug prices very substantially. We can reduce drug prices unbelievably easily and substantially, but we have to get Democrat votes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Governor. Please. Mr. President, you've had a lot of success with trade, USMCA, China, Japan. What's next on your agenda for trade? So uh, Europe has been treating us very badly. European Union was really four I, I hate it when it does it. Badly, so they've done their job. Uh, that was one of the primary reasons. But they treat us badly there. They treat us badly, frankly, on NATO. But NATO, I've gotten, as you know, $130 billion more they will pay. Because NATO was going down like a rocket ship. Our past leaders would go over, make a speech, and leave. I went over, made a speech, and said, you got to pay more. Because the United States was paying everything. Essentially, they were paying close to 100%. And I let them know, you have no choice. And they are paying more. They paid $130 billion. I think my biggest fan of the whole world was Secretary General Stoltenberg, head of NATO. He said uh, he can't believe it because for 20 years it went down. It's like a roller coaster death. No, no, none of this just down. They paid less and less and less. And it got more expensive and more expensive with time. But uh, I raised $130 billion my first meeting. And I raised $400 billion Second meeting. So now it's in good shape. But, you know, we were taken advantage of by a lot of countries, a lot of allies, frankly. Sometimes allies do a better job on you than the enemy, because the enemies you, you watch out for, right? So, Pete, I think that uh, the next thing could be Europe, where we uh, talk to them very seriously. And they have to do it, because they've, uh, there's been a, over the last 10, 12 years, there's been a tremendous deficit with Europe. They have barriers that are incredible. I didn't do the, I didn't want to do them while we were doing China, Japan, South Korea. You know, I didn't want to do the whole world at one time. Does that make sense? <laughs> People learned that doesn't work out too well, even on trade. So uh, we're going to be uh, starting that. They know that. They know that. They're ready for it. You know, we made a good deal with Japan. We're going to do a, a bigger, much more comprehensive deal. But we're taking in 40 billion from Japan which they didn't expect, nobody expected. We've done great on the trade. It's going to have a tremendous impact. Now, the virus that we're talking about having to do, you know, a lot of people think that goes away in April with the heat, as the heat comes in. Uh, typically, that will go away in April. We're in great shape, though. We're, we have 12 cases, 11 cases, and uh, many of them are in good shape now. So, but a very good question. Yes, please, Colorado. Yeah, uh, you mentioned deporting the uh, criminal uh, aliens. What about also, what are your ideas for fixing it for the, oh, for the kind of the dreamers and the, the folks who are here that are hardworking and, uh, you know, it's really tough out there and they work on our farms and, and the kids who grew up here. And how do we do that? And, and at the same time, you're, you're also kind of enforcing the other side for those who violate our laws. Well, we almost had a deal on that with the Democrats, as you know. It was done. And then we lost a decision, uh, and the Democrats said, Trump, who's that? Trump, who's that? But we were very close to having a deal in the Dreamers with the, uh, with the House and with the Senate. It would have been a very good deal for everybody. So we're looking at that, but now we're before the Supreme Court. I think we're going to win, because if we don't win, that gives the President of the United States unbelievable powers. You know, President Obama signed that bill. It was an executive order. And when he signed it, he said, essentially, he said, I don't have the right to do this, but I'm going to do it anywhere. And he was upheld by a judge. 
And uh, anyway, it'll be uh, before the Supreme Court pretty soon. And at some point, I think we'll probably make a deal on it. I do feel that way. Okay? Good question. Uh, question? Yes, please. Gary? Um, How's Mitt Romney? I have You keep him. <laughs> we don't want him. Go ahead. Uh, are used to Doing a great job in Utah, by the way. Go ahead, Gary. States are used to balancing their budgets. So I think, by and large, we don't spend more, more than we take in. And I know you unveiled your budget today. And I know there's a concern for you is the growing debt. Yeah. Uh, I know we've had nonpartisan economists talk to us as governors saying, this is going to come back to bite us in the future if we don't do something about it. Yeah, I agree. What are we doing? How can we get to a more balanced budget? Certainly reduce the debt as opposed to continue to grow the debt. So we're putting out a plan today that over a period of, not that long a period of time, uh, brings our, our budget and our deficit down to what it should be, which is close to zero. And I think people are going to be very impressed by it. Uh, we're not touching Medicare. We want to keep Medicare. We're not touching Social Security. Uh, we're making our country stronger again. We're not decreasing Medicaid. Uh, but we're doing a lot of things that are very uh, good, including waste and fraud. Tremendous waste and tremendous fraud. So uh, we're doing that in terms of certain programs. Uh, and uh, we're taking good care of our military. We're increasing spending on our nuclear program because we have no choice because of what China is doing, what Russia is doing in particular. And so we have a very big number in for that. Now, at the same time, Russia and China both want to negotiate with us to stop this craziness of spending billions and billions of dollars on nuclear weapons. But the only way until we have that agreement, the only thing I can do is create by far the strongest nuclear force anywhere in the world, which, as you know, over the last three years, we've very much upgraded our nuclear. but. Uh, we're buying new. We have the super-fast missiles, tremendous number of the uh, super-fast. We call them super-fast. Uh, where they're four, five, six, and even seven times faster than an ordinary missile. We need that because, again, Russia has some. Uh, I won't tell you how they got it. They got it supposedly from plans from the Obama administration when we weren't doing it. And that's too bad. That's not good. But uh, that's how it happened. And uh, China, as you know, is doing it. So we have a tremendous uh, $740 billion for military. But again, it's also jobs in the United States. So it's, you know, it's everything's made in the United States, proudly. And we have the best in the world. We have the best equipment in the world, the best missiles, planes, rockets. Everybody wants our equipment. We have to be very selective, obviously. But we're, uh, we're going to have a very good budget with a very powerful military budget because we have no choice. Okay, about that. Ron, you have something about, uh, for instance, your plan of buying and cutting uh, prescription drugs? You want to tell them what we're doing? Well, so we had a panel about the uh, your administration's approval under an old 2003 law that prior administrations did not utilize to allow safe uh, and affordable drugs to be imported from Canada. So that's going through the regulatory process. We at, in Florida are working our own parallel track. As soon as your rules are done and in place, you know, we're looking to buy. And you know, we can save a lot of money just for things like our prison system because right. the drugs are a lot cheaper. So we, we think there'll be good savings here. But I think it opens up a larger conversation, which I know you want to have, about why are we funding the drugs for everyone right. in the world? Um, you know, Americans want relief, and I know you fought hard for that. But thanks for approving the Florida, Florida program. 
Now, before um, I continue with this, I just wanted to say about the drugs because a lot of people don't seem to understand it. So if you're in Europe, depending on what state of Europe you're at, but I can speak for Greece because I know that for a fact, and you go and get, I don't know, if you're diabetic, you get like glucophage, um, what we call metformin generically here, right? Well, you can go to a pharmacy with a prescription and buy the brand name glucophage there's no such thing as like generic. Okay. And you go to the pharmacy and you pay like three euros for like a box of it. It comes like in the brand box, not in pill bottles that they sort, you know, from a factory that are generically made, right? The brand. And it even says, you know, if it's made by GSK, if it's made by Bayer, it clearly says what pharmaceutical company has it. It's brand. And so you take that and you pay three euros, which is like, what, five bucks? And that's it. Here in America, if you want to get it, your insurance is paying supposedly, suppose, and I'm using the word supposedly because they have like these backdoor deals. They're paying like for generic, which means it's not from the originating, you know, pharmaceutical company. It's from another pharmaceutical company that it's making it cheaper or whatever. So it could be like Teva Pharmaceuticals, which is an Israeli um, company out in Mexico making pills cheaper, uh, you know, which costs them, you know, uh, uh, one eighth of a penny to make a pill. But for some reason, for a 30 day supply, your insurance is paying you know, uh, CVS, for example, um, you know, $150 and your copay is like five bucks. And you're just like, okay, why are we paying so much? It's because they fixed it like this. This is what we're talking about when we say we're paying for the drugs for everyone else. Like I remember, cause I was low on iron that I used to take this, um, this liquid form of iron uh, brand called Ferris Hausman. It was like a little drink in a little vial. Looks like, you know, like an injection vial. To, to get it here, not 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 a 10-pack, but I know in Belgium, in England, in Germany, in Greece, in Italy, whenever I would pick it up from the pharmacy, it would cost me literally like three euros. Here, for a box of 12, they wanted something like $800 copay because it's so expensive and it's like a tier something something medication. And it's like, are you insane? Like this is the generic one. It's not even Fairmousman and you're going to give it to me at a higher price. That's because we're the dumb ones and they're taking money from all ends. They're taking it from our taxes and they're taking it in the form of insurance. It's like a pyramid scheme, like those MLM schemes where, you know, there's like this one guy and he's selling stuff and he has 10 people under him selling stuff and selling stuff. And then, you know, the guy at the top gets rich, you know, <laughs> this is where we're at. This is what is happening. We're funding everybody else's drugs. Like, you know, if, if I, God forbid, get sick and have something chronic that I need to take like blood pressure meds or whatever, you know, I would rather like fly out to another country, go and buy all my meds for the year and bring them back or ask my family members to just send it to me. Like, why would I get a generic Valsteren, you know, for my, you know, for blood pressure issues when I could just, you know, get it from, you know, another country for like a dollar. Like, that's just dumb. So, you know, this is a big pain point, but President Trump should not be addressing to make any changes yet. We need to get this done in 2020. Once we weed out the swamp monsters that are actually getting their pockets lined by these companies. So that means anybody that has investments in like healthcare, pharmaceutical companies, and that's a lot of senators and gov and, um, 
There are governors too. And um, congresspersons. So we need to weed them out and figure out who's getting what. Uh, penalize them for that, for using their public office to get, you know, to push legislation that favors uh, insurance companies So because it's all a scam. I mean, why do I need an insurance company? Why can't I just go to the doctor and be like, all right, I need to see you. And if I'm over 65, then they get like a voucher thing from the, from the government to assist in the payment of it. I mean, that's just simple stuff. Like whatever happened to the neighborhood doctor. And yeah, when you go to a hospital, why are we paying, you know, $15,000 for a scan? You know, when it should just not be that high because it's not that expensive anywhere else. I mean, I can tell you that there was a um, there was a case um, a couple years ago. Uh, a person had traveled. They, they actually sued Medicare uh, because they traveled. They went on vacation and they broke their uh, their um, knee or something like that. Anyway, they had a knee replacement surgery, everything, right? The whole thing from top to bottom, from hospitalization to the knee replacement, the whole thing cost them a total of like six and a half thousand dollars. And they paid for it out of pocket because they didn't know that Medicare applies in emergency situations, you know, to, you know, pay for it. So they paid six and a half thousand dollars out of pocket. And then when they got back, they submitted it to get paid and they would only pay them like three grand. They were like, why? Normally this surgery, you'd be paying supposedly fifty six thousand dollars, you know, for knee replacement, for being in the surgery. And my copay would have been like, you know, three hundred bucks. Now I paid this all full and, you know, you're not giving me money. And they're like, get this. Our negotiated prices vary from institution, state, and nation. You know, that's none of your business, basically. Uh, we make the prices as we see fit. That was horrible. That tells you everything you need to know right there. So anyway, let's continue with what the president is saying. This is really important because this is a time where the governors that have been spanked by Pompeo, which we're going to get to, um, are now, you know, doing the whole, Hey boss, let me ask you a question. You know, Hey boss, let me ask you a question. I don't see governor, <laughs> governor Burgum anywhere in that group. Okay. Let's continue this. You can go in Colorado. Also. You can go to, um, certain countries and the exact same pill made in the exact same plant factory, wherever it may be from one of the big companies. Uh, yeah, he's right. will sell for 50, 60, 70% less than the United States is paying because it's broken. It's a broken system. And so one of the things I've authorized is that certain states have requested, probably after this, uh, everybody in this room will go back. <laughs> but uh, if we buy from Canada, you'll save 50% at this moment. Now, that may go up or everything may come down. One thing is going to happen or another. Either the drug companies are going to raise it and not make it possible to buy. They're going to raise it in Canada, meaning so you won't be able to do it. Or everyone's going to go down. Because they have a middle man in the middle that are making a fortune. Nobody knows who these people are, but they're getting rich because we had a broken system, and it's about time it gets fixed. So a lot of a lot of shakeup is going to take place. But if we had Democrats helping us, we could solve this problem in one day. But they don't want to vote again. They don't have any time to vote. They don't have any time to do anything. No, they're making they too much money off of these pharmaceutical they seem to be companies. They're freed up a lot now. They're freed up a lot, actually. I hear. Um, how about a couple of more and then we'll let the press go and relax and take it easy. Uh, please, Governor. Your administration, has done a, your administration has done a great job with regard to addressing the opioid crisis. Thank you. An aspect about that is uh, the growing problem of fentanyl, uh, especially fentanyl coming across 
the southern border. Right. And it's my understanding that there's some information about uh, a lot of that coming from China. Yes. What I'm curious about is what the status is with regard to the reduction of fentanyl coming from China and our ability to corral that and to, and to reduce that. So as you know, it's gone down. I met with President Xi on the trade deal. And I said, you have to stop fentanyl coming into our country. You have to do me a favor and stop it. You have to get it stopped. It has to end because it's a favor for our country. And we're losing thousands and thousands of people to fentanyl. I mean, the size of a pinhead can kill a lot of people. It's unbelievably bad. And they sent it direct, and they sent it through Mexico and through the border. And we would catch a lot of it, but even if a little bit got through, it's a very deadly drug. And they have cut it way back, and they've also criminalized. They, it wasn't a criminal. They considered a, a, a corporate kind of a thing. It was a, a drug of a different nature. And now they put it into their criminal statutes. And criminal in China for drugs, by the way, means uh, that's serious. They're getting a maximum penalty, and you know what the maximum Death penalty. penalty is in China for that, and it goes very quickly. Uh, it's interesting. We have Singapore, they have very little drug problem. We have China, they have very little drug problem. States with a very powerful death penalty on drug dealers don't have a drug problem. Uh, I don't know that our country is ready for that, but uh, if you look throughout the world, the countries with a powerful death penalty, death penalty, with a fair but quick trial. Uh, they have very little, if any, drug problem. That includes China. But they've uh, put fentanyl now into their... He's working on that. We've, it's gone down a lot, as you know. Uh, they put it into their penalty system, and uh, people will be getting the death penalty in China now for fentanyl. That was a big thing. It's not, it's not part of the trade agreement, but it is part of the trade agreement. Right? Uh, and they have acted on it. Now, of course, they're working on something else. And I think they're doing a good job on that, on the virus. I had a long talk with President Xi for the people in this room two nights ago, and uh, he feels very confident. He feels very confident. And he feels that, uh, again, as I mentioned, by April or during the month of April, the heat, generally speaking, kills this kind of virus. So that would be a good thing. But we're in great shape in our country. We have 11, and uh, the 11 are getting better. Okay. So great question. I think that uh, fentanyl is a huge problem. It's almost at this moment 100% made in China, and uh, they are starting to enforce it on our, our behalf. We have a, a good relationship with China now. Probably the best we've ever had. Okay. Okay, so I think what we'll do, any other questions from the governors? Uh, yes, please. President, I want to thank you for giving the states more flexibility in health care, particularly last week uh, your uh, Health and Human Services announced the uh, Medicaid uh, block grant uh, waiver authority for the states. Arkansas will be pursuing that. Uh, but I want to thank you for that and also ask you in terms of your State of the Union address, you talked about health care. Is there anything that we can expect this year in Congress for election year is there anything that we can get done that you're going to be a priority in Congress this year? So we did a big thing on health care. We got rid of the individual mandate on Obamacare, which basically made Obamacare not Obamacare anymore. Uh, it was the most unpopular thing in Obamacare, and basically you paid a lot of money for the privilege of not paying to have bad health care. And nobody wanted that. And we got rid of a big, big move. And I had a choice. I can make 
So it really isn't Obamacare anymore. But I can, and we do, as you know, we left pre-existing conditions and everything. We left it. Because pre-existing will always have, and I think I can speak for Democrats too, but we are all going to have pre-existing conditions. Uh, we are always going to make sure that that's taken care of. The pre-existing condition situation, I think I can speak, I know I can speak for Republicans, I think I can speak for Democrats. It's, uh, it's a part of our society right now. Nobody's going to change it. Uh, if a law is overturned, that's okay, because the new law is going to have it in. The new law would replace the old law that was overturned. It would have pre-existing conditions. So I think that's important to say. Uh, but one thing that we will be doing is, uh, at least from a Republican standpoint, you have 180 million people out there that have great health insurance. They love it, private health insurance. And we're going to save it. Other people are thinking about terminating it, which is brutal for unions and others. So I don't know how they're going to get around that. But we're going to be saving that. But when I uh, took over, I had a choice. So we got rid of the most unpopular thing in Obamacare. Almost got rid of Obamacare, but essentially we did. But now I said, do we run it really well, or do we run it really poorly? Do we make everybody unhappy and blame the Democrats? Or do we make people relatively happy with a bad law? It's a bad law, bad, it's a bad policy. But do we make people relatively happy? And I chose, I felt I had an obligation to do the latter. So uh, it's been working out pretty well. And it goes along, and we've done block grants. We've done a lot of different things with different states. And we're tailor-made. Really, it's tailor-made for different states. We are doing things for states. Some people want block grants. Some people want something else. And we're working with individual states. And I think governors are really happy and really surprised that we're doing that. I could have just... Uh, cold-lined it and just said, we're not doing anything, and everybody would be happy, everybody would be complaining. But I think the best thing for our country to do is the way we're doing it. Until we get a replacement for Obamacare, a full replacement, that's going to be great. And I would say this, if we change the House, if we get the House, the Republicans get the House back, we will have that. Uh, otherwise, we just have to negotiate with the Democrats. And I think at some point they'll come around and start negotiating these things, because they really are good. So, media, thank you very much. We appreciate it. And we'll have a little more discussion. All right, guys, thank you very much. Quickly. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to say watching our president, he's not really happy with who he sees there. I just thought I'd mention that because, uh, you know, there are a lot of governors there that are bad, 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 bad. Um, and so, you know, this kind of rolls into what I wanted to say uh, in regards to um William Barr and what he said uh, yesterday, well, the day before yesterday, right, um, to to the governors. So it was yesterday, Saturday. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Let me put, see yesterday, Saturday. Like, I don't even know what day it is. This is like super bad. Today has been a crazy day, you guys. I've been up with the, before the rooster has come out, I've been up. Um, I was actually very excited because I was plowing through trying to find that file online where I had my, uh, Governor Doug Burgum stuff, uh, cause I was following this China stuff since, uh, 2000 and, uh, I would have to say, Darn it, no, 2001. Uh, so we're talking like ancient stuff. So it was really hard to find like things that I've converted over to be able to work, right, <laughs> uh, in 2020 from then and, um, you know, having them in soft copy. So we had uh, Secretary Pompeo uh, pretty much tell the world 
Well, tell the governors exactly what he needed to. And I want to play that clip for you right now so we could break it down as he speaks. Okay, let's go. Uh, Last year, last year, I received an invitation to an event that promised to be, quote, an occasion for exclusive deal making. It said, quote, the opportunities for mutually beneficial economic development between China and our individual states are tremendous, end of quote. Uh, Deal making sounds like it might have come from President Trump, but the invitation was actually from a former governor. I was being invited to the U.S.-China Governors Collaboration Summit. It was an event co-hosted by the National Governors Association and something called the Chinese People's Association for Friendship and Okay, I want to stop right there just a second. I tweeted out a picture of North Dakota's Governor Doug Burgum. Now, I want to make it clear for those of you to discern it. What Secretary Pompeo is talking about is not where he was at. He was at the China General Chamber of Commerce meeting. That's completely funded by China. They bring leaders from many nations and in our case, states, um, you know, where they do these deal making friendship things. So I just wanted to point it out. So you guys have that in mind as you listen to him. And also, I wanted to elaborate to you guys what this, um, uh, what the difference is between the two. So the U.S.-China Governors Collaboration Summit um, is supposedly is one that fosters, you know, business ties. And so the former governor that he is... um, talking to because he got the invitation last year is in the state of Kentucky and in the state of Kentucky all the governors and their deputies lieutenant governors too, come around alongside many leaders from um, a total of four I think it's now four Chinese provinces so they hang out they talk it's like a little retreat and they chill and they talk about how they're going to strengthen you know business relationships what kind of investments China's going to make you know what kind of investments they can and you know discuss some issues and what they think now I found a video clip from that and I want you guys to listen to it carefully okay take a listen It's more than 860 kilometers away from Washington, D.C., and a world away from Beijing, here in the east-central U.S. state of Kentucky. It's easy to find tranquility and optimism, even during a time of trade tensions. That was the theme in the city of Lexington, as governors and leaders gathered for the U.S.-China Governors Collaboration Summit. The Chinese ambassador to the United States set the tone with his opening comments. Given the current circumstances, it is more important than ever that subnational representatives of China and the United States gather to explore how to advance cooperation and identify win-win opportunities that benefit us all. The Kentucky governor described the current climate as a time of negotiations for the two countries, and he said eventually things will get worked out. He even shared an anecdote that caught many by surprise. I was driving yesterday evening, and I was speaking with President Trump. I told him I would be speaking to you all today. I asked him what he would want me to share. He said simply, give them my love. 
Bevan had words of encouragement from other elected officials. I speak for other governors, lieutenant governors, economic development teams. We are grateful to have you here. We need to have a strong partnership with the people of China. There were a number of panel discussions focusing on how China and the U.S. could strengthen e-commerce and cross-border trade, for example. It all seemed to come back to one common theme. The relationship is important, and there is no stopping global trade. It's the future. I want to borrow uh, what Jack Ma mentioned, uh, Jack Ma's statement in the 2018 uh, World Economic Forum, is no one can stop global globalization and no one can stop trade. We all know that China and the United States are not sitting down at the table and having discussions right now. But that's not the case here in Lexington. Everywhere you go in this convention center, you find signs on tables just like this one, reserved for deal-making. And despite the trade friction... Reserved for deal-making. There were people sitting down and cutting deals here in Lexington. Michael Norris sat at the tables, and he believes his company will probably walk away with a couple of new deals as a result of attending the summit. His company has been doing business in China for more than a decade, and he will leave Lexington upbeat about the future. I came here optimistic. I'm even more optimistic now. <laughs> it's just, uh, and, and it's not just blind optimism. I think it's from having seen and heard from a lot of people who, are, who share the same commitment as we do. I spoke to the governor as things wrapped up. He remains upbeat, pleased with the outcome of the summit, and despite all the negative headlines, convinced a deal is in the offing. But the majority of these things are very close to being resolved, and I'm absolutely confident they will be. And when better than during a robust global economy to resolve these issues? Once those issues are resolved, Bevan may be remembered as the elected official who tried to keep the conversation going during tense times. And that may benefit the sprawling countryside of Kentucky, as the bluegrass state will undoubtedly try to attract more Chinese investment once the tensions are over. In Lexington, Kentucky, Mike Walter, CGTN. All right. So that was from CGTN, China's um, actual, uh, you know, uh, Chinese um, government television as well. Uh, I just wanted you guys to hear that yourself. Like they're literally saying they're deal making and they had pictures of China Telecom, you know, people we've arrested, (laughs) Um, you know, Huawei. And they had signs that literally said deal making like And that is who invited Secretary Pompeo. So I thought I'd give you context in that so you understand it. Now let's listen to what else Secretary Pompeo says about this specific meeting. Okay, but that those types of meetings. Foreign countries. Sounds pretty harmless. What the invitation did not say is that the group the group I just mentioned is the public face of the Chinese Communist Party's official foreign influence agency the United Front Work Department. Now, what if I told you this United Front Work Department, where they do deal-making, how many of them do you think work with tech companies? What about unmanned, uh, you know, aircraft systems, like, uh, you know, aerial systems, like um, drones, or maybe accounting software, or maybe, I don't know, like um, software that you use for, like, Equifax, I'm just saying. 
<laughs> I hope you're getting where uh, getting what I'm trying to say because I'm going to run through my whole reporting on just one state and their relationship with China. It's going to blow your mind. You're going to be like, "Oh my gosh." Because this is what it is. The swamp is not just those clowns we see. Do you know how many people get suicided every day that don't have anything to do with Clinton? It's like typical. But the thing is, they're still in there. I mean, now we're cleaning out the White House. Now we have to go state by state and pick them off the grid one by one. The next four years, we'll be purging the rest of the district and federal judges and state officials nationwide. Because when you hear this example, you're going to be like, oh, my God. And you know why it's so simple? Because there's less than a million people in population. And you know what that means? It's easy to find the movers and the shakers in such a small community. And yes, a million people is very small. You know, the world is a very small place. And, um, you know, one landmass like uh, that state with less than a million people there, I think it's like 750,000. Boy, it'll show you everything. Now, listen to what else Secretary Pompeo says, because this is how they work. It comes in as a meeting as something when it's something else, kind of like the attorney general retreats. It's not about them getting together and talking smack because half of them don't even do their job. They just sit there, you know, and wave their fingers around. It's about people paying money into their association so that they can rub elbows and get the business they want done. This is why they won't share itineraries. They won't share who pays for them. But you know, the question is, right? Maybe the citizens can ask their states, did I pay for that trip to go to that place? Because I want to know. Now, I was lucky. Uh, I was familiar with that organization from my time as the director of the Central Intelligence Agency. But it got me thinking, how many of you made the link between that group and Chinese Communist Party officials? So he's saying, how many of you might have been duped going there? Did you make the link? He's like giving them an out. Did you make the link? What if you made a new friend while you were at that event? What if you like got cozy with someone from, I don't know, China Telecom or like a tech company that does software that loves Microsoft products? What if your new friend asked you for introductions to other politi politically connected and powerful people? What if your new friend offered to invest big money in your state, perhaps in your pension, in industries sensitive to our national security? These aren't hypotheticals. These scenarios are all too true, and they impact American foreign policy significantly. Indeed, last year, a Chinese government-backed think tank in Beijing produced a report that assessed all 50 of America's governors on their attitudes towards China. They... In other words, see, the Chinese like to keep things tidy. They like to have things like on access. So they've got like this file, like an Excel spreadsheet and said, all right, we need to dump some money. We need to invest. Who's willing to sell out their place? Like, what can we do? Where can we buy property? Which, by the way, real estate investments by the Chinese in the past 10 years has you know, gajillified. Okay. We had like 86, what was it? Trillion, I think in the past couple years. So they're buying like nobody's business. They're investing like nobody's guys. I, I'm like so excited to, to walk you through this whole thing. It's, it's incredible. Like I can't wait to walk you through this whole thing. Cause you're going to be like mind blown. They labeled each of you friendly, hardline, 
or ambiguous. Huh. So he pointed to them and said, all of you have a label. You're friendly, meaning you've taken money before and we do deals. You're hardline. So you need numbers, black and white over the table or ambiguous, meaning I don't know what you feel. I don't know how to fill you out. I'm still trying to work with it. I'll let you decide where you think you belong. Someone in China already has. Many of you indeed in that report are referenced by name. <laughs> so here's the lesson. The lesson is that competition with China is not just a federal issue. It's why I wanted to be here today, Governor. It's not just a federal issue. It's a state issue. Right, guys? That's what the finishing sentence was. It's a state issue. Because it's not just the federal officials that can cause harm to our national security. State officials can do it, too. And actually, they could do it a lot more effectively. Okay, they could destroy our nation better. Remember, two years ago, what have I been saying? Yeah, we've got the central nervous system of federal, but it's the peripherals we have to worry about. How many times have I said the peripheral governments? That means the attorney generals and the governors and the secretary of states of every single state in the United States of America. They play a substantial role because as a collective they're actually stronger than the central backbone, right? Because they're all supposedly independent. Remember, together we're stronger, right? As we stand together, we're stronger. This is how they push legislations. If you have the majority, then everybody does it. If the majority says we're taking everybody's guns, then everyone's going to do it kind of thing, right? So this is why I said the peripheral is important. And this is what we are now targeting, the peripherals. And he made it clear and he was smirking and I loved it. I am an absolute huge fan of Pompeo's. Huge. And I know a lot of people, I like him. I saw the Mike Pompeo that I want in a position of such leadership in negotiating with other countries in two interviews and now this national one, right? On two interviews, one in Europe, one in Greece that he did, one with the EU, one, one with Greece, and now this one. This shows you why he and President Trump get along because there's no BS and he's very careful with his words. And now for him to say it, that was an open, Hey, I know by name, I know the money I have, the insurance they have on you. I have everything. This is what he was telling them. This is what he was saying underlying, right? This was the underlying statements that he was making. And that's what was interesting. Now, I want to move over to the next portion of it. Give me a second. Let's see. Is this it? The union address the other night. I have Here no medals of freedom to distribute here today. Nor am I passing out copies, so you can't tear them up when I'm done. <laughs> I've, uh, I've gotten to know some of you as I've traveled throughout the states. I've, I've probably traveled inside the country more than... Uh, many secretaries of state, uh, it's something they usually uh, don't do as much. I think it's important that the American people understand what our diplomats are doing around the world and why we're doing it. So I just wanted to mention that if you see me in your state, I'm not lost. I know your state has not seceded from the union. I know, I know where I am. Uh, although I know there's some folks in California who are clamoring for Cal exit. Uh, so President Newsom, I look forward to working with Secretary of State Feinstein <laughs> when that comes to be. I, I can get away with California to go because I grew up in Southern California. My dad still lives in the same house I grew up in in Orange County. Uh, it's a, a wonderful place. Uh, last year, 
Last year, I received an invitation to an event. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I need to, be, quote, to skip over that. Hold on. Or ambiguous. There we go. It's happening in your states with consequences for our foreign policy, for the citizens that reside in your state, states, and indeed for each of you. And in fact, whether you're viewed by the CCP as friendly or hardline, know that it's working you. Know that it's working the team around you. Competition with China is happening inside of your state, and it affects our capacity to perform America's vital national security functions. I'm just going to tell you, almost everybody's butt puckered. Fredo, Governor Cuomo Fredo, Governor Fredo, uh, one of the worst. He looks really angry. Almost all of them shifted their positions. It, it was incredible to watch. I want to set the context today for this topic. At the end of the Cold War, uh, America started to engage with China heavily. It made good sense. We thought that the more we interacted, the more it would become like a liberal democracy, like us here in the United States. It didn't happen. And you all know this. Indeed, under Xi Jinping, the country is moving exactly in the opposite direction. More repression more unfair competition, more predatory economic practices, indeed a more aggressive military posture as well. But you should know, this doesn't mean we can't do business with China. I had an operation when I ran Century International. We had a small office in Shanghai. We can find places to cooperate when our interests converge. You can see that in the first part of the trade deal that President Trump got done, signed last month. We're happy about that. It was the right thing to do. That was indeed a deal that was good for both the United States and China. And these economic ties are powerful. They're important and good. They're good for your state. They're good for America. Look at the nearly 18 tons of medical supplies the United States just flew to China this past week to help fight the coronavirus. Yesterday, we announced more than $100 million in assistance to China and the countries that are affected by that virus. And on that note, too, I want to take just a moment to note I want to send my condolences to the loved ones of the United States citizen who fell victim to the coronavirus in Wuhan over the last days. But while there are places we can cooperate, we can't ignore China's actions and strategic intentions. If we do, we risk the important components of our relationships that benefit both countries. The Chinese government has been methodical in the way it's analyzed our system, our very open system, one that we're deeply proud of. It's assessed our vulnerabilities, and it's decided to exploit our freedoms to gain advantage over us at the federal level, the state level, and the local level. And I'm just going to tell you, with this speech, I've decided that if Mike Pompeo wants to run, I'm on his, I'm on his campaign team. I'm telling you that right now. Just with this. Because he had the cojones to stand in front of them and tell them, and, and not only that, he didn't give them a scapegoat because that's something President Trump did. President Trump told them, listen, you have the opportunity to resign. You have the opportunity to just go. He told them that. He said it in 2018. This is your time. You need to go. But all of them put their money on this dead impeachment horse. It's so dead. It's like beyond like, you know, the crypt keepers like jealous. That's how dead it is. All right. It's like super dead. So the, the Democratic Party dumpster fire. They're on fire, all singed. And these governors, man, you should see them 
butts were puckering everywhere. Everyone was shifting their position. And, you know, for governors, they were always like, yeah, you know, I'm always with President Trump and I'm flying this and I'm doing that. You're doing nothing. We got you. It's kind of like Lindsey Graham. We got you. We got you exactly where we want you. Exactly where we want you. So today it has been, uh, you know, a tremendous news cycle on the fact that the governors were spanked about China and we got Barr coming out with even more. He's coming out with the Equifax breach, which, by the way, I was one of those breaches, but my stuff has been compromised for like forever. So, you know, you either see me or you don't like, you know, I've been my (laughs) my my identity was nicked years ago. We're talking decades ago. And, you know, I've worked on Orange Farm, supposedly picking oranges. I've worked at fast food joints together, which I have not, by the way. And while I was overseas, I was still working at places. I worked at an eye place. Like this is crazy stuff, like legit. So uh, what happened? Software companies, they say they found a vulnerability in the back. Well, what if I told you that the vulnerability was one of these relationships with, you know, governors that put them in contact with someone else who had political influence or was a big mover and shaker? That's how things like that happen. And you know what Barr did today? He reinforced the problem with China, but he also reinforced everything else the Democrats stand for, and that's the Ukraine. He reinforced all of that. So after the break, we're going to cover what he says about the Ukraine. We're going to cover a little bit about what's to come to there, and then we're going to go head first, analyzing one state and the governor's corruption and how President Trump is taking out the peripheral enemies of the people. I'll see you all in a bit. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So this is the second hour, and we're going to go through what this China governor's thing is. So you just understand just how deep this is. <clears throat> this isn't governor's, you know, hey, yeah, you know, I want you to invest in my state, like build like, I don't know, like a tech company or buy some property, aside from the fact that they're buying immense amount of property. Uh, this is like deeper than that. Uh, this is like giving degrees to Chinese nationals without attending school. What? Yes. And were they prosecuted? No, 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 no. But is there a statute of limitations for stealing federal taxpayer dollars, state taxpayer dollars, and being in on it. Because one of the guys that was in on this, it was actually appointed U.S. attorney of that same state. So we're going to get into that. And you're going to understand how three governors have set the stage. And I'm going to remind you guys, the one thing that I've told you before, when we're talking about drones, just to have in the back of your mind, right? Remember how I said long range drones and how, you know, it's BS that Iran did it, blah, blah, blah. It was a Turkish one because Turkish drones are one of the top notch one. Why? Because they use Chinese parts because they get them from China, 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 right? I've said that. 
Now, Homeland Security about uh, six years ago had put out a report saying you're not allowed to use or work with these companies, but new companies have come that aren't on the list. And it kind of makes you wonder what the heck was Homeland Security doing under the Obama administration, twiddling their thumbs? I mean, come on, guys. Yeah, they're monitoring it. And you know what's great is that we have a secretary of state and I will be going behind. I want him as president because he'll walk in and wreck the place. You know, there was this meme going around that I shared where it's like our president's so badass that his tie gets out of the way when he walks. That's exactly how I see Mike, too. So I'm like all for Mike. I'm not into like dynasties. I'm into like all for Mike. Um, even though I love Don Jr. Do not get me wrong. I absolutely adore Don, Don Jr. I am more of a fan of Pompeo's only because he's gotten his hands dirty with clowns and knows exactly what's, what they can do. Now, I've explained to you to bring you up to speed so you understand what happens this week. All last week, I was reinforcing to you how we created communist China. We created them. We abandoned the nationalists because nationalists, oh my gosh, God forbid, that's a socialist and communist's biggest fear, right? So we helped create them. We abandoned the nationalist Chinese and they have communism today. Thanks to the United States of America back in 1945. All right, let's be straight with that. Straight, completely straight with that. That's documented. That's well, well documented in congressional records, Senate records, you know, you name it, it's there. Open up the Library of Congress, read the papers, you know, educate yourself. Because we created that because it was part of the plan, again, from the minute before that ink even dried on the Declaration of Independence, There were already rats sitting in, you know, the darkness saying, all right, here's how we're going to, it's going to be voluntary because we got to, you know, ramp it up and, you know, boost it real quick and, you know, and then we're going to just annihilate it all under one order, under the crown, right? Uh, Look at the European Union, which is that idea on steroids, right? They were supposed to be the pilot, kind of like Obamacare. Medicare was the pilot for that, right? Okay. So here's, um, before we get delving into that really nitty gritty detail, uh, I want to play a clip from uh, Fox, which had Nunez on uh, talking today about how the Democrats are concocting a new Trump hoax. Of course they are. Of course they are. And here we go where we're going to start it. I want you guys to take a listen to it carefully. continue to do our oversight to protect and defend the Constitution, but those cases still exist. If there are others that we see as an opportunity, we'll make a judgment at that time. Well, some Democrats just not given up yet, despite President Trump's acquittal in the Senate last week. Nancy Pelosi, House Speaker, still leaving the door open for more investigations before the president faces re-election. So will it ever end? And where could the Democrats go next? All right, here to weigh in is ranking House Intelligence member, GOP Congressman Devin Nunes. Congressman, we know that they want to investigate, but they also have spent this weekend recalibrating. Where do you think they're going to start if they do, in fact, start? What, what portion of the Trump administration will they focus on? Well, I'd say that old habits die hard. 
they've done nothing else for their entire time that they've controlled Congress. And don't forget, the Democrats on the Intelligence Committee started this right after Trump was elected. So that's going over three years. I'm not sure that they actually know how to do anything else. Uh, because for the most, pr- for all practical purposes, the Intelligence Committee in the House isn't really meeting. Uh, so my guess is they're going to start with John Bolton, maybe others. They may concoct a new a new hoax. I'm not sure that uh, you know that that the American people will believe it. But you can be sure of one thing: the mainstream media will support whatever it is the narrative is that they want to build. Well, Congressman, uh, the mainstream media uh, up in arms over the fact that on Friday the President of the United States ousted the Vindman twins from working uh, at the National Security Office. Uh, Apparently, the NSC advisor, Robert O'Brien, is set to overhaul the NSC staff as early as next week. Uh, Ambassador Vindman is out, and people are saying, hey, this is just payback for them telling the truth. What do you say about that? Well, it's a long time in coming. So I've been uh, on Fox several times saying that the National Security Council, number one, needs to be downsized. They don't need hundreds of people. Uh, Number two, anyone that was there during the Obama administration should be immediately removed from the White House uh, and put somewhere else. I don't care where they go, but just, just removed from the White House. Because look, we know that it's highly likely that many of the leaks that started at the very beginning of President Trump's administration came from the National Security Council. And that should be very concerning. And I've been saying this for a long time. And it's sad that that it's taken a new uh, national security advisor, O'Brien, to actually come in and start to clean this up. So I would just say don't let the door hit you on the way out. Uh, Media shouldn't over-exaggerate. Nobody's lost their job. They're just going to be moved back to another position. Well, you thought you had a little break. You enjoyed your weekend, I hope, but here we go again. Um, what, what were your, what's your reaction to Joe Biden? And is this the end for him? Because he's not doing well. He didn't do well in Iowa. It doesn't look like he's going to do well in New Hampshire. So I've actually said that for a long time. And I think I would even said this on Fox and Friends that I didn't see Biden as a legitimate candidate. Uh, I saw him over a year ago. Uh, he just doesn't look like he has it in him. Um, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, you know, just calling balls and strikes. You know, I'm obviously not going to vote for the Democrat. Uh, but he just seems like he's, he's just slipping a little bit. And, you know, you look yesterday, and, and, and this is, I think I heard you guys talk about this this morning. Uh, he said, called a lady lying like a dog lying. faced pony soldier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I said that, I mean, you know, the, you guys would be, uh, you'd have my head on a pike. I mean, you just can't say things like that if you're running for political office. It's just I, weird. I, so what does I mean, that even mean? Yeah. We're, no, now we're trying to find out what would prompt it. Right, right. And, and I just don't think name calling to people who are your, gonna, who are your voters, probably not a good idea. <laughs> well, he, right. no, he does tell people, books. just go vote for someone else. He said that a few yeah. times. He's too. got a unique way of uh, achieving the nomination. It would be entertaining if he were on stage, though, with President Trump. It would be, Maybe. but I don't think that's I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, he's going to be lucky to uh, finish in fourth, I think, in New mm-hmm. Hampshire. Well, let's see what happens. We'll be there shortly. Uh, Devin Nunes. That's if he can get to New Hampshire because his bus broke down. So it's not like he's going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. So I wanted to um, first draw your attention to these different channels. They were reporting about uh, William Barr, uh, uh, you know, indicting four Chinese hackers. Every single channel has a different title. U.S. accuses four Chinese militants. 
U.S. charges, DOJ indicts, Barr says. I mean, it's just crazy. So I want us to listen to William Barr right now and what he has to say in full. And I will analyze that because this circles back to the governors. If it wants to play any time now, feel free. There we go. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Uh, Before getting started, I'd just like to express my outrage at the attempted assassination of two uh, New York City police officers. As many of you know, I'd recently been up there to visit with the NYPD, and that is a force that does exceptional work for the people of New York, and I want them to know uh, that they have the full support. Hold on. I'm going to swap channels because this one's very low on volume, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you are struggling to hear it. Taking out to Washington, D.C., the Attorney General, William Barr, is announcing cyber... I can't believe that CBS has better sound. Fox, get it together. ...related enforcement actions. He's joined by other Justice Department officials. Let's listen. I'm here to announce the indictment of Chinese military hackers, specifically four members of the Chinese People's Liberation Army, for breaking into the computer systems of the credit reporting agency Equifax and for stealing the sensitive personal information of nearly half of all American citizens. And also Equifax's hard-earned intellectual property. This was one of the largest data breaches in history. It came to light in in the summer of 2017 when Equifax announced the theft. The scale of the theft was staggering. As alleged in the indictment, The hackers obtained the names, birth dates, and social security numbers of nearly 150 million Americans and the driver's licenses of approximately 10, of at least 10 million Americans. This theft not only caused significant financial damage to Equifax, but invaded the privacy of many millions of Americans and imposed substantial costs and burdens on them as they had to take measures to protect themselves from identity theft. As described in the indictment, the hackers broke into Equifax's network through a vulnerability in the company's dispute resolution system. Once in the network, the hackers spent weeks conducting reconnaissance, uploading malicious software, and and stealing login credentials, all to set up the stage to steal vast amounts of data from Equifax's systems. While doing this, the hackers also stole Equifax's trade secrets embodied by the compiled data and complex database designs used to store personal information. Those trade secrets were the product of decades of investment and hard work by the company. Today's announcement comes after two years of investigation. According to the nine-count indictment handed down by the grand jury in Atlanta, four members of the Chinese People Liberation Army are alleged to have conspired to hack Equifax's computer systems and commit economic espionage. This kind of attack on American industry is of a piece with other Chinese illegal acquisitions of sensitive personal data. For years, we have witnessed China's voracious appetite for the personal data of Americans, including the theft of personnel records from the Office of Personnel Management, the intrusion into Marriott Hotels and Anthem Health Insurance Companies, and now the wholesale theft of credit and other information from Equifax. 
This data has economic value, and these thefts can feed China's development of artificial intelligence tools, as well as the creation of intelligence targeting packages. In addition to the thefts of sensitive personal data, our cases reveal a pattern of state-sponsored computer intrusions and thefts by China targeting trade secrets and confidential business information. Hacks by the group known as APT-10, which worked in association with the Chinese Ministry of State Security, or MSS, to target managed service providers and their clients worldwide across industries. Hacks by MSS intelligence officers who sought to steal intellectual property relating to turbofan engines by using both insiders and computer operations. And hacks by PLA officers who targeted victims in the nuclear power, metals, and solar products industries for the economic benefit of Chinese companies. Indeed, about 80% of our economic espionage prosecutions have implicated the Chinese government. And about 60% of all trade secret theft cases in recent years involve some connection with China. We normally don't bring criminal charges against members of another country's military or intelligence services outside the United States. In general, traditional military and intelligence activity is a separate sphere of conduct that ought not be subject of the domestic criminal law. There are exceptions, however. For instance, we have brought charges against intelligence officers operating undercover in the United States. And more recently, we have charged state sponsor actors for computer intrusions in the United States for the purpose of intellectual property theft for the use of their private sector, including bank robbery and interference with our democratic elections. Like those cases, the deliberate, indiscriminate theft of vast amounts of sensitive personal data of civilians, as occurred here, cannot be countenanced. The United States, like other nations, has gathered intelligence throughout its history to ensure that national security and foreign policy decision makers have access to timely, accurate, and insightful information. But we, but we collect information only for legitimate national security purposes. We don't indiscriminately violate the privacy of ordinary citizens. Today's indictment would not have been possible without the hard work of a dedicated team of FBI agents and federal prosecutors in Atlanta and here in Washington, D.C. In addition, the Department's Office of International Affairs provided valuable assistance in working with other countries to secure evidence. And Equifax, Equifax's cooperation throughout the investigation was critical to our development of this case. I'll take a, uh, a question before uh, turning the floor over to, uh, to others. Pierre. General Barr, Senator Graham says that uh, Rudy Giuliani will be providing the department information on related to Ukraine and the Bidens. What is the process for, for receiving this information? Who will uh, evaluate it? And uh, is this something that you feel the need to accuse yourself from? Well, as, as I've previously said, the, the, the DOJ uh, has the obligation to have an open door to anybody 
who wishes uh, to provide us information that, that they think is relevant. Uh, but as I did say to Senator Graham, in, in, uh, we have to be very careful in, uh, with, it, with respect to any information coming from the Ukraine. Uh, there are a lot of uh, agendas in the Ukraine. There are a lot of cross-currents. Uh, and we can't take anything we receive from the Ukraine at face value. And for that reason, uh, we had uh, established a, an intake process in the field uh, so that uh, any information coming in about Ukraine could be carefully scrutinized by the department uh, and its uh, intelligence communi community partners uh, so that we could assess its provenance uh, and its credibility. And, you know, that is true for all information uh, that comes to the department relating to the Ukraine, including uh, anything Mr. Giuliani might provide. Did you Thank you. Uh, now, let me... Um introduce uh, B.J. Park, the, uh, the uh, U.S. Attorney for Atlanta, uh, who will take it from here. B.J.? Okay, so we can stop right there, and let's just have the prelude to what's coming. So I wanted you to um, point out that he said that this has been ongoing, that China has been ongoingly obtaining U.S. citizen information. Now, your Equifax file has so much information, like you don't sell it to them, right? But they garner it. They have your social security number, your date of birth, who you work for, where you live, what bills you pay. They have everything. And a lot of that is also misreported. Don't forget, most of their employees don't even speak English. Okay, let's let's get that straight. Um, and there's misreporting. There's identity theft all the time. You know, I've many, many times audited calls for CMS where there are the people are literally speaking like another language and they're using the identity of an American citizen. Now, obviously, as a, a third independent party, I'm not supposed to say anything, but you better believe it that I report that. Confidential or not, when they're providing falsified information, I file a report. We don't need Sally McDaniel somewhere out in Idaho getting a big fat bill. Or in the end, you know, if somebody gets their leg amputated and this is real stuff and you get sick, you know, and it's that leg, you know, your insurance will not allow you. They will not pay for whatever surgery you might have because you've amputated that before, even though you have both your legs. So this is real stuff. So why are they doing this? This is to compile information, to gather data, and like he said, to train their artificial intelligence tool. But he said exactly what Secretary Pompeo said to the governors. It's these state-sponsored trade secrets from business deals and from, you know, having these relationships. So that way they have, you know, up-to-date information. They know where to go. They know what to do. And like he said, most of them are people that have been in our own intelligence community working for them, you know, um, and it's not just taking your information for the fact of training the AI tools. Remember, the biggest AI tool that I've been speaking about and have gotten a lot of flack for is this, you know, uh, electronic election voting machines that Mitt Romney, Tag Romney, I guess, and Mitt all invested in to the mother load of it, Heart Inner Civics down in Texas. And then it goes CIDL, which is out in Europe, in Spain, and the Ukraine, where they're literally changing your vote based on the information they have on you. 
This is to election meddle. He said it. It's to create, to move all this information into private sectors because they're creating their own intelligence database. You know, this is how you meddle with elections is election fraud. And remember, the hack that they supposedly said happened. Remember, was Chinese code masked as Russian because Chinese code is what they had available. Chinese code is one of the best codes we have out there. So, you know, we have people that are talking with, uh, with, uh, you know, businesses like governors, for example, universities, for example, secretaries of states, attorney generals, for example, that sit there and they exchange trade secrets or they provide them information that could be detrimental to our foreign policy, especially if that state's super trading with China and our secrets on how we do the trade and how we operate. So these are all key things. Now, the lame question about Ukraine. Of course, we vet everything. We're going to take everything with a grain of salt from the Ukraine because there's multiple agendas being played out there. We've got the election meddling on a, on a global scale, you know, centered out of there. We have CrowdStrike. We have the Obama administration's dirty paws all over it. And then from before that, we have the state of California, you know, participating in the genocide of people. We have so much going on there. What are we going to take at face value? And he said, of course, when Giuliani says his things, we've, you know, put it through the ringer and we've checked it. So these are very important statements. Again, circling back to the governors, the peripheral government, the peripheral government is a big, big problem. And, uh, you know, for some reason, people don't seem to put one and one together a lot because this is huge. He's just reinforced it. Hmm. So someone texted out, Oregon's name is on the list. I can tell you from my sources it is. And it's more so on the Asia side of the refugee and then wood. It has to do with like matches and stuff like that. See, they stopped the lumber uh, industry in Oregon. And now the Chinese are selling Oregonians wood to make matches when, you know, they used to have all the lumberjacks. It's pretty incredible, right? So these are all things we need to see. Now, uh, so many people have been coming together, going for what? The peripherals, because the peripherals are very, very important. Now, we purged the NSC. We've got a lot more going on. A lot of people are saying, oh, you know, we don't want them fired. They're just going to be moved. I just say fire them. Because they've been leaking fire them. We know they've been leaking fire the crap out of them because we don't need like that working for the government. Again, term limits on all, um, you know, on all levels. That's what I say. Now, this next half hour is going to be so explosive and I'm going to start it from 1998. Okay. And I'm going to take you to the state of North Dakota and I'm going to take you to just how corrupt that state is. And from the 31st, 32nd to the 33rd governor, so corrupt working with China and they're still in office. Some in other places. Well, the, the 31st governor is now Senator of North Dakota still got his fingers in the pie, you know, pushing Chinese products. Like, you know, they're going out of style we have so much to talk about, and I'm going to walk you through it uh, one by one so you could just see. Because the picture that I've been sitting on with Burgum at the China General um, uh, Chamber of Commerce is not what Barr was talking about. It's 100% sponsored by China. 
I'll see you all in just a bit. Welcome back, everyone. Okay, so I had someone send me something. Um, thank you, Chris. Uh, that says that the China General Chamber of Commerce, um, USA, the CGCC, and the National Governors Association co-hosted this meeting on July 19th, 2018. 2018, right? And where we have Governor Doug Burgum uh, in that nice picture. Now, during that meeting, they were, they were slamming the fact that the president was pushing for um, tariffs. Uh, North Dakota is a state that trades heavily with China, especially in soybeans. And here is where we're going to break this down, because this is where you see the full picture coming, you know, into light. So I'm going to take you back in time to 1998. Um, and that is exactly where it all started with China. So it was um, Jack... Hoven at that time, who was sitting on some board, uh, that is um, Senator John Hoven's daddy, uh, where he sat on a board and he put together a bunch of people at universities, okay? Uh, and one of those people was this guy named Doug LaPlante. And he was spearheading a program in the city of Dickinson uh, to Dickinson State University, where they were bringing in a lot of money, a lot of money because they were outreaching to um, foreign countries uh, to be able to recruit people to come to the state of North Dakota and study. Right. And so they were building up as a state for some reason. I'm being straight with you guys. That state has got no idea like the the leadership there is is like a clown show they're a train wreck it's like they have to bribe businesses to go there rather than be proud of what they have and be like yo you want to come here they're paying people like they pay josh Duchamel like you know tons of money a year to be a spokesperson and it's like nobody you know you know you need to bring your own stuff to have fun in north Dakota. no offense okay it's it's cold it's gloomy and you know everyone's in that mood too and the only thing you could really do is some ice fishing great hunting you know ice fishing is great um you know but other than that there's not really much to do uh, so instead of building up the state so there's more stuff to do, they throw money away into garbage and um, and to bribery. That's basically where they go. They bribe a company to come and they're like, hey, we'll give you so much money if you come and you'll pay no taxes for so long. And then when that, you know, tickets up, they're like, I'm gone. <laughs> See ya. So this state has gotten it wrong from the 90s when they started to implement that strategy. Now, why am I picking on North Dakota? Here's why. So the current governor and his predecessor, um, uh, Darlim, Dar, Darlimple, sorry, um, have a long history of doing deals and dubious like actions with China. And, and I, I would say the majority of these are indirect because they're smart people. Come on. I mean, 
Bergam created this, um, you know, software thing and then sold it to Microsoft. Now it's called Microsoft Dynamic GP because it was called Great Plains or whatever. Made tons of money. Um, but, you know, that software uh, is just one of many things he's done. He sits on boards that create accounting software for like, I don't know, Hong Kong. Uh, you know, he sits on other boards where and, and, and as an interim CEO for a company that now was sold to some investment company. And now it's a full subsidiary along with another two companies, I think, of Cock Industries. So these aren't your average Joes. And, and that also includes the former Lieutenant Governor Drew Wrigley, who for some crazy reason has been appointed U.S. Attorney of North Dakota like a, a swamp much. Do you know what I'm saying? So here's what happened under their watch. So Hoven's dad did the work. Right. And Hoven, as governor, started to set the grounds. Now, he was also the Bank of North Dakota president at some point, Senator Hoven. And this is where it gets a little bit pear shaped. It's like, so you do all these dubious deals, right? All this corrupt stuff, and no one pays for it. And what am I talking about? So, back in um, 2011, 2010, there were some audit reports that came out that didn't look very favorably to Dickinson State University. Well, in 212, after a report came out by the state auditor, no wonder the governor of North Dakota and his administration and his state legislators want to terminate the position of state auditor right now because he's come up with a lot. What happened was um, there was a scheme going on with the Chinese. So Dickinson State University was literally giving away hundreds of degrees to Chinese nationals that never attended school, never were there or pretended to be there. And here's the deal the, you know, first of all, there were no charges filed, period. Okay. No one got in trouble. No one went to jail. And, and here's the, here's the thing that when you bring these students in, you're, um, eligible for like federal and state taxpayer dollars because your university has so many students, you're blossoming. And then we've got Homeland Security visa applications. Like where were these Chinese people? Where were they going? This is immigration stuff. Nobody got charged. You guys, I kid you not. But, uh, once the news broke, uh, this guy named Doug LaPlante that John Hoven daddy put in place and in charge of this shot himself in the head and you know obviously no mention of that on his obituary but he was a really close friend with senator hoven and you know uh who at that time was governor and then bank of north dakota which the bank of north dakota which is the only state bank in the united states was the one that was exclusively giving loans and federal funds to the university just to make it clear and so at that point the governor uh darlimple and lieutenant governor um wrigley uh, we're very good friends with Doug LaPlante. I mean, he was booming Dickinson, right? We had the oil boom. It was all, you know, wow. And all this happened and nobody got charged. They're saying, oh, they just like cut corners. What do you mean cut corners? You had Chinese nationals getting degrees, getting visas to come into our country and they never attended school. So where were these people? So this university awarded hundreds of degrees to Chinese nationals who, who didn't do anything, 
Okay, none of them. And apparently they were going to face sanctions from the from the Department of Homeland Security. Nothing happened, you know, in regards to visa issues. So what happened there? And the state was supposed to sanction them for lying about enrollment figures, because that's like what defrauding state, state and federal tax dollars. None of that happened. Accreditation. Nothing happened there. You know, so so you're thinking, wait a minute. So they just did all that and nothing. Yeah, nothing happened. The attorney general, who's the same one for the past like 20 years uh term limits anyone this is why corruption needs to go this is how corruption festers when you have people in the same spot that clown didn't even press charges on anyone wait a minute you defrauded every single citizen in the state of north dakota for funds for that university but you press no charges we had fraudulent visas issued and done press no charges we were handing out degrees to chinese nationals press no charges what what's going on here and then once these people, you know, the governor darling blows out, you know, we get Hoven and we get, we get, sorry, we get Bergman. But then we have Drew Wrigley, who was the lieutenant governor at the time when all this China stuff was happening. And you know what? At that time, North Dakota was really, really happy about bringing in all these migrants. They had that, um, American Pool Enterprises, they had United Work and Travel, which were bringing in minors and, you know, young adults from like impoverished nations to work and clean pools where in North Dakota, guys, they have literally like a couple weeks of summer. Like, that's it. There's not that many pools for you to monitor. I'm sorry. Like, it has like five actual cities with pools. I mean, you could probably count all the pools, you know, on your hand. Yet, for some reason, we had tons of these migrants coming in. So they had all, you know, and that program was so well received, you know, uh, Hoven brought it in. Then they started bringing in, you know, the migrants, uh, you know, the, what is it? The refugees. Because, you know, we're going to bring in all the Muslim refugees from nations where Christians are persecuted because, you know. That makes sense. So now Wrigley is the U.S. state's attorney for, you know, the state of North Dakota. Maybe he'll investigate his own, you know, stuff. Like who even recommended this clown to POTUS to put in that position? That's a question. So we have that. And now we're going to Doug Bergham. Oh, let me start. So first of all, there's tons of st- tons and tons of times throughout the earliest tweet that I found is and I quote, North Dakota is growing, growing at China speed. Doug Burgum, host of TEDx Fargo, said today. I've got another one. 2013, Doug Burgum, North Dakota is growing at China speed. Man, you're infatuated with China, aren't you, Doug? Because he's in tech. He's in tech. And that's the thing. Think how much, uh, how many investments did we have in that state from China? I could tell you that over the past 10 years, we've seen a real increase in Chinese investments in the U.S., particularly in commercial real estate properties, including office buildings and hotels. A number of large acquisitions have been made in just a few years, and the pace of acquisitions of U.S. companies has clearly increased during the same period. That is uh, Timothy Sloan, who's the executive VP of Wholesale Banking at Wells Fargo. And that was by a report done by the Rhodium Group, which is a consultant. Thing. So China Daily was advertising a lot of uh, Microsoft Dynamics GP, which is Doug Burgum software uh, that he sold to Microsoft. So these are the people that we're talking about, the people that are taking advantage of the situations. And this governor, you know, obviously dabbles in tech. 
right? Obviously. But he dabbles in property too. So there's like, so there's like a huge debacle that just went on in the past 24 months where some property had been designated by the governor and his administration, okay, of, yeah, we're going to use this and create some federally funded Theodore Roosevelt library. And it turns out it's indirectly connected to him. So he benefits from it. And here's another one. He created this, um, uh, property management group called the Kilbourne group. Check this out. So that group bought a bunch of property in Fargo and he was like in 2013, he had announced to everyone this before he ran for governor. Oh, I'm going to make like the tallest skyscrapers, the tallest building. I'm going to do all this. He hasn't done anything, but here's what he is doing. Okay. He is, uh, advocating that his property be designated like, you know, one of those developing zones because of the flood. Cause that's like super tax kicks back. And you know, it's the governor saying we should designate this. And it's like, dude, that's your property. You can't advocate for that. Yeah. Well, stop me. And not only that, he's now asking for federal funding for his property so that way he can develop it. Are you kidding? So you buy the land, you use our taxpayer dollars to develop it, and you're telling us that you need the tax break, <laughs> the tax kicks as well. These are the type of people in peripheral government. In the meantime, China, 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 he was one of the most... Um, Harsh critics of President Trump in regards to China. Very harsh. He even, very, very harsh. He's all pro, let's bring all these crazy migrants in. And the people were up in arms. He's like, he even wrote the letter saying, we're accepting all these people from Somalia, tough noogies. Well, it makes sense because, you know, with his property, he developed the Lutheran church in Fargo too. I mean, totally makes sense because they're making money everywhere by destroying the economies and by getting sidekicks, you know, kickbacks on the side. This is what we are targeting because let me tell you, how about soybeans? How about this? How do you think the Chinese negotiate? They already know what we're doing. So when we come to them and say, well, you know, we can't do this because it causes, well, I know, you know, from sources that this and this happens. Equifax. Did you know that the state of North Dakota was one of those that got breached? Yep, it did. You have to wonder, how did that happen? How did that happen? This is beyond comprehension to many people. Beyond comprehension. Chinese trade expos, we're sitting there. Hey, let me bribe you to come to my country. Chinese love that. Oh, yeah, we'll invest, we'll invest. Free degrees for your Chinese citizens. We got one of the biggest drug busts in fentanyl in the state of North Dakota. If you remember, Sessions went over there to announce it. <laughs> This is how it goes down. You guys, these people are so corrupt. I mean, imagine nobody got in trouble. Nobody got, they were handing out degrees to Chinese nationals. We're taking buttloads of Chinese dollars into that state investments and no one is batting an eyelash. No one is getting held accountable for this. We've got a BS library being put together where the governor benefits. We've got federal funds benefiting another property. Like, how is this okay? And this is what we're talking about. Forget just on the local level, federal, our national security, man, our foreign policy. Who are you to sit there and dictate for the rest of the nation? That's the thing. They really don't care. And the problem is, is that they've been banking on the impeachment horse. But it lost. 
super hard. And that is what Pompeo was putting out to them. We know, like he said, you know, our foreign policy, Barr said it, foreign policy has been affected. It's by all these meetings and these friendlies and these, um, you know, uh, China chit chats with software. Now, here's where we're going to go into the real nitty gritty of this. Not only is it that we gave that state gave away uh, tons of degrees to Chinese nationals. Nobody got in trouble. Some guy shot himself because he felt he didn't want to go to jail. He was going to be the downfall guy. It's not like the other people were going to go down for it, were they? So nobody got in trouble for that. The state didn't get held accountable. In fact, the lieutenant governor that helped facilitate that fake visa movement within the United States with fraudulent upfront of university is now the U.S. attorney for the state, right? Corruption, right? 101. But here's the thing. Who sells, you know, drones like they're going out of style? That's Senator Hoven. Remember when we were talking about, oh, we need smart borders. We're going to have like drones. And why are we going to have drones? Are we going to be shooting people out of the sky? No, we need a physical barrier. But he's pushing and pushing because he has companies that invest in that. And so does Burgum. And even his state of the state was all about, yeah, we're so proud. We have like UAVs and we're going to be doing policing through, you know, drones. So what are they going to do? The cops are going to shoot you from a drone now? And we have permission to fly drones everywhere and do this. And then the question goes, well, let's think, let's think the Department of Homeland Security had issued that report about Chinese made drones in parts. And they had said, you know, specifically cybersecurity and infrastructure said that they um, had a report back in the day of organizations that had inherent risks associated with um, UAS technology that's created in China. And let's be honest, China has the leading long-range drones. And, you know, all of this is being done with what? Huawei tech. Huawei tech. And they've only named 68 companies on their report that are on the blacklist. That hasn't been updated yet. How much you want to make a bet that all these drones that the state of North Dakota is piloting and putting in have Huawei tech on it. Because if I remember correctly, it was only a year and a half ago. Uh, wait, no, it was 2017. Wow, I'm losing my years. So 2017, DJI representatives, I saw them with my own eyes hanging out in Bismarck going somewhere. I was at a hotel and I saw them going somewhere. DJI, DJI, Chinese, DJI, you know, business people going to some hotel or something. So who were they meeting? Why would DJI tech from China be in the United States, let alone in North Dakota? Cause at that point I didn't even know they had a drone fetish. Like it wasn't anyway, but I did recognize DJI cause I knew about their drone tech. So you have to think to yourself, this is how corrupt they are. For the love of money, what they would do, they would sell their own mother. They've sold out every single mother, grandmother, child, great-grandmother in their own state, let alone they do it on their own. Corrupt as can be. Because the security of our intellectual property is, is, is important. And our ability to be able to maintain that, correct? And they're not helping. Uh, there were... Um, 
in February of 2013, prior to the report, General Atomics, which is that uh, drone company that, you know, G- General Atomics or Aeronautical Systems, blah, 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 announced 43 suppliers. Of those 43 suppliers, they all take DJI parts, Huawei parts. And so, and not only that, we've got L3 communication, avionics, electrodynamics uh, in there. We've got a whole charade of, uh, you know, private intelligence companies, Torco International. I mean, we've got a lot. And these go back to that, uh, you know, privatized spy agency. This is a problem. And this is what Barr made clear in his announcement today, that privatizing this kind of stuff is not accept, uh, acceptable. You're collecting information on people. We're using other, you know, uh, we're supposedly using, uh, you know, Chinese technology. But in fact, for them to come to us, for us to go to them and them come to us, we have to share. Remember, it's like the S-400. Remember how Turkey was like, oh, we're just going to make a patch and we'll just ask Russia to help us with it. And President Trump was like, no, man, that means you have to share our F-35 technology so they could create a patch. Are you kidding? That's the point. In order to get a patch or to save your IP, you have to work with the manufacturer and trust that they're not going to put some Trojan in there for you. That's the problem. Because they really don't care. At the end, they want socialism and communism. That's the bottom line for all of these globalists. So this is where we're at. Corruption like nobody's business. Let's not get down to California and New York. Damn, Cuomo, you have a lot of explaining to do. Mmm, Newsom, tons of explaining to do. That's the thing. How do you fix this stuff? How do you fix it? By purging them, right? So we purge them. But how far can we purge? I mean, the, the, it's right in front of your face. How do you get rid of it? I mean, I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of people in North Dakota right now saying, why are they still in office? And the same idiots that are saying it are going to vote for the same people again. Well, I don't know if they're going to vote for them because they fixed the elections. You know, last election cycle, they totally fixed it. It was so stolen. It was ridiculous. Like you could see it was robbed. Like, you know, the, 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 the guy that can't even ride a scooter can't say his name. You know, if he was in the hospital and they would say, give me your name and date of birth, he'd have to think about it for like an hour and ask for hints. He's now the secretary of state. He's the biggest dinosaur and he's not even all together. And yet as an independent, he still won. Come on, give me a break. Give me a break. That's what I'm saying. Corruption runs rampant. It's deep. It's penetrated to all facets. With the Chinese, we've been giving stuff away like crazy. If you heard Barr, he said that they're not only taking um, information in regards to uh, people, but state-sponsored people are helping with trade secrets, business deals. They're also giving away information in regards to nuclear and other tech. I mean, why are we, why are they targeting that? I'll tell you why. Obviously nuclear, because we have uh, the start agreement and also with nuclear, because that's the one thing that the um, corrupt administrations have kept them out. That's the only leverage they have on China is the fact that they don't know where their nukes go and how they go. And the fact that he mentioned that it's local U.S. citizens infiltrating our own nation's databases and agencies and companies to feed this back to China is a big deal. But Pompeo made it clear. They have a list and he's got all their names. He knows exactly who took what money. So now the insurance policy is on you. You have that. 
you are now in our court. We have that. So the, so you have to wonder, are these people going to run for reelection? Are they diffused idiots? Like, which one is it? How dumb are people to just revote them in when they've been making money off their backs, where they have been stealing everything that they work hard for? Every single person in every single state works very hard for what they have. To, to be content, you have food in your belly and a roof over your head and heat when it's cold and cold when it's hot, right? And if you have children, all you could do is pray that you could provide a shirt on their back, food in their tummy and shelter, right? All these people are working so hard and these clowns come along. And not only, uh, some of them are smart. I said, all of them are smart. Bergam is a genius. He did great flipping his company, selling it to Gates. Oh, which, by the way, I have to say, you know, his company, the ones that he was chairing, Mini Mike is also on some of those boards with Doug Bergam. I just wanted to make that clear. And when they did the work with um, uh, the one company, Avalon, which has the uh, tax accounting software for Hong Kong, uh, you know, Mini Mike kind of piloted some of that. So I just wanted to make that clear and, uh, you know, the connections run deep with these guys. They work together and they take advantage of the situation that they're already on top because they're smarter than you, right? But then they expect you to fund all their projects, you to make the money. I mean, think about it. How could the governor purchase that property and then start pressuring the state to rezone that area so he can get tax breaks? How is that not for his benefit? And then he's asking the federal government to put millions into his own property to bring to light what he's, you know, envisioned to make. Are you kidding? Is this what America's about? No, that's what their America is about. Their America is that I'm smarter, you're stupider, so I get to step on your back and make whatever I want. That's not what America was intended to do. We're supposed to be helping each other. We're supposed to be holding each other up. We're supposed to be promoting each other because as a unit, we move forward. And as a unit, we move forward as a society. Not the smartest or the strongest or the fittest wins. You're only as strong as your weakest link, they say, right? Well, these guys don't care about the weakest link. They're smarter than everyone, right? They don't care. And so now they've been put on notice. I can't believe the hour went by. This is like the fastest it's gone this since Thursday. So Pompeo put them on notice. Barr put them on notice indictments are coming and I'm hoping that the first one is pretty huge so that way people can feel as excited as I am grab your popcorn guys because this is about to get real good I'll see you tomorrow mm-hmm.